Yes, 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 people. It is time for another echo chamber. And as we do, we're going to start off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 4th to the 6th of February. All right, so at number 10, it is Nightmare Alley. This is the new film from Guillermo del Toro, who uh, co-wrote with Kim Morgan and William Lindsay Gresham, starring Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, William Dafoe, Ronnie Mara, Ron Perlman. There's just a slew of motherfuckers up in this one, people. At number nine, I feel this is a new one. It's Belle, the Dragon and the Freckled Princess. Uh, this is from Mamuro Husada. He wrote and directed. It looks like it's an anime. Um, yeah. So if you like anime, that could be for you people. At number eight... It's Clifford the Big Red Dog. Yes, people, I, I can't count. But it's from Walt Becker. You know what I mean? So that means at number seven, um, it's the new one from uh, Pedro Almodova. Um, he wrote and directed this. It's starring Penelope Cruz, Rosie Del Palma. Alana Sanchez Guijon, uh, Milena Smith, and it is Parallel Mothers. So, our number six film, oh, this one works because it's a sixth iteration of Scream. So, this is from Tyler Gillette and Matt Biffenel Oblin. Right, written by Kevin Williamson, Guy Buzik, and James Vanderbilt, starring Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Marley Shelton. You know what I mean? Just all the gang are back. So we're in our top five and number five, still doing it. Bing Spider-Man No Way Home. John Watts back again. You know, Eric Sommers and Chris McKenna wrote this one, starring Zeander, Tom Holland, Marissa Tomei, John Favreau, J.K. Simmons, Benedict Cumberbunch. You know what I mean? Just everyone doing their thing. Whoo! At number four is Moonfall. So this is the new Ronald Emmerich big blockbuster. Um, Emmerich co-wrote it with Harold Closer and Spencer Cohen, starring Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, Michael Penner, Donald Sutherland, Charlie Plummer. Whew. It's a decent cast, people. So we're at number three, and it's the new Kenneth Branagh joint. Belfast, right? We talked about this during the oh, is it the 65th or the 66th? I think it's the 65th VFI London Film Festival. All right, so number two, those crazy motherfuckers are back. That's right, it's Jackass Forever. 
choice. <laughs> so this is directed by Jeff Tremamine. Um, written by Eric Andre, Jason Weeman, Akuna, and Derek Beakless. And you've got Johnny Knoxville, Steve-O, Chris Pontus, Eric Andre, Machine Gun Kelly, Rachel Walston, Jeff Tamaray, Jason Weeman, Akuna. Man, just all your favorite jackass motherfuckers are in this. So, yeah, you go. And the number one film right now is Sing Tu. So this is from Gareth Jennings. He wrote and directed. And we've got a voice cast of Matthew McConaughey, Reese Witherspoon, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Taron Egerton, Nick Knoll, um, Tori Kelly, and others, and others. You know what I mean? So if you want your kids to shut the fuck up, that could be the film to take them to, people. You know what I mean? But we got some films to get into. So if you're ready, people, let's get it popping, shall we? Okay, people, let's start it off with this new horror iteration. It is time for Black Friday. Okay, so... This is an odd one, right? And I say it's an odd one just because, you know, the time of year it's being released, right? And I'm talking about Black Friday, which is directed by Casey Tebo and written by Andy Greskovakic. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a film, you know, obviously set around Black Friday. Which, you know, it's that big selling day for, for shit for Christmas. So, what, is it the end of November, I believe? I think. Um, yeah, because it's thank the day after or day before. I think it's the day after Thanksgiving, right? Now, it was released, you know what I mean? On, I think, the 11th of November. So that's fine. But now to drop it digitally... I'd have just waited or just released it, you know, at the same time. But to drop it in February seems an odd one. It seems an odd one, but that's what they have done. So it is produced by Warner Davis and Bruce Campbell. Cinematography is David Kruter. It's edited by Chris Torek. Uh, music is from Patrick Stump, um, and it is starring, well, I mean, we've got Bruce Campbell, you know, he plays Jonathan, the store manager, then there are people that work at the store, there is Brian, he's second in command, played by Stephen Peck, um, we've got Ken, played by Devon Sawa, uh, Marnie, played by Ivana Bakuera. Uh, Chris, played by Ryan Lee. And, um, well, there's Emmett, the new starter, played by Louis Kurtzman. Anita, played by Celeste 
Oliver. Um, Ruth, played by Ellen Colton. And there's Archie, played by Michael J. White. Um, we also have Peg Holzema as an angry gran. Um, Lonnie Farmer as Monty. Ripley Tabut as Lila. Mattia Tabut as Gracie, the Ken's kids. Um, Stanley Bruno as Bircher. Christopher Mikkel as Lou. And Mark Steger plays our monster. Right, so the gist of the film is this. On Thanksgiving night, a group of disgruntled toy store employees begrudgingly arrive for work to open a store at midnight for the busiest shopping day of the year. Meanwhile, an alien parasite crashes to Earth in a meteor. This group of misfits, led by store manager Jonathan and longtime employee Ken, soon find themselves battling against hordes of holiday shoppers who have been turned into monstrous creatures, hell-bent on a murderous rampage on Black Friday. Bum, bum, bum. So, yeah, there you have it. Not really original. You know, um, can't open a store. Like, I didn't know they were opening a store at midnight. Or I, I knew it was in the evening. Because we kind of get that from when Ken is dropping off the kids and saying he's going to miss Thanksgiving dinner. That's why they had Thanksgiving breakfast. Which, I don't know what the, that seems fair enough. You know what I mean? I'm like, Thanksgiving is just a meal, right? So whether it's dinner or breakfast, you're chilling. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But it's not my thing, right? So who knows? Tradition, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, right, we opened, we do open the film with, um, like, this uh, a, a mini meteor thing. And yeah, we see something happens, blah, blah, blah. But then we jump to Ken dropping his kids off. Right? I mean, when they're like, oh, daddy, can't you stay home? And he's like, hey, not all heroes. <laughs> heroes work on Thanksgiving. He'd be like, homie, you calling yourself a hero? I'm like, yo, your kids are young, but are they really dumb? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah, I mean, listen, this film, it, it does those typical things, right? Group of people in a spot they don't particularly want to be, and then all craziness happens, right? But we kind of establish, oh, there's a there's a there's maybe a romance in there. There's people that don't like each other, you know? And we're going to go through this film, and there's going to be... You know, the tough guy saving everyone, but not making it, right? We're going to have an irritating person who kind of gets through. 
were having those weird sacrifices. Like, there was definitely moments where people were just like, you got, and be like, well, you know, all of you can escape. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it, it yeah, it, it didn't, especially there's one at the end, and you're just like, that made no sense. Why the fuck would you do that? Also, there was something else towards the end that didn't make any sense around an incident earlier in the film, right? Because you're just like, huh? Wait, if you did that, like, why would... Yeah, it was all weird. It was all weird. It was was dumb. There's also that when you look at the rationality of a statement, it's like, but you helped. So if this was the thing, why even help? You could have just let it go, right? And people might have just been like, oh, it happened too far. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was it was a weird thing to throw in there. But yes, we you know we have these situations that turn out, have those moments where everyone suddenly argues with each other and we like friendships falling apart. Oh no, mean things get said. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh shit. And oh, and then obviously, right? An innocuous thing that is said at the start plays a pivotal role at the end. Because in these films, nothing is said really in a throwaway. It's always something to set something up, right? And yeah, that's what we get. That's what we get. Um, which, you know, not a terrible thing, but it's just a little bit predict, you know? Like... <sighs> There's not, re- I wouldn't really say there's a huge amount of depth to any of the characters. You know, it, it, it's just the caricatures, the archetypes that we see in this sort of film. But here's a rub, right? I would say if you are a fan of Employee of the Month or Superstore, you will enjoy this on the humor tip. You know what I mean? It, that sort of humor, it will it will connect with you. On the on the horror scene, well, it kind of went through different kind of iterations of horror here. Because the way it opens up, you think it's gonna be one thing, and then it turns into you know, something slightly different towards the end. So I would say if um hmm if you probably like the later Cloverfield films, right? Um oh, I'm trying to think of some other shit that I don't know might resonate. But I don't know. Listen, if if you like B, B, B movies? Yeah, B movies, right? B movies, the the kind of, I don't know, weird campy shit that you might find on late night TV. And when I say late night, I mean one, two, three in the morning, right? That kind of stuff. If that's your bag, people, then um, 
Black Friday will definitely speak to you. And you can pick it up from all your favorite VOD platforms from the 11th of February. So uh, there you go. It's not the right time of year, but Black Friday is on. Okay, people, now we got some indie magic. It is time for Hip Beat. Okay, so Hip Beat. <laughs> to say it's the next film, I don't know, right? Because I don't know if I would call it a film. It is... Something, it's definitely something, okay? So it is from writer and director um, Samuel K. Forrest, okay? Uh, yeah, he, he writes, he directs. Um, it is, hold on, where's the other information uh produced by um alexander forrest and samuel k forrest so i do wonder if they're related uh co-produced by Joachim van bruggen beatrix uh michelette ian uh, longram um, associate produced by Emil Forrest um, Gabriel Rafato and Marie Celine Yidrim and executive produced by Eva Jan van Brandenburg Martina Melu and Azig van Brandenburg. Music is from Julian Onelli and Phantoms of the Tribe. Cinematography is Joshua Monroe. It's edited by Kieran Peters and Cornelia Pont. Uh, casting was from Amelia Forrest and Jacquem van Bruggen. Art direction is Tadja Mezzi. Costume design is Lil Wade Collins. Uh, so, yes, there is that. Now, the gist of this film, right? So, this is what it says. Love is revolution. Angie is a political activist fighting against the system while searching for love in the Berlin queer community. They protest by day and rave at night in the underground of the city. Based on true events, Hip Beat is a narrative film that contains moments of realism. Protests in Berlin provided inspiration. The film tells the story of a political activist fighting against the system while searching for love in the Berlin queer community. Inspired by the films of Jean-Luc Godard, John Cavices, Sidney Lamut, 
Martin Scorsese and Steve McQueen. Hip Beat incorporates real elements of LGBTQ plus lived experiences into its plot. And um, yeah, it's using a lot of first time um, actors in the piece, which, yeah, I, I, it does kind of show, right? It does kind of show, uh, you know, they, they talk about in the press notes that uh, the crew got arrested at anti-fascist protests in the making of the film, which, I mean, it's not difficult to get arrested. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're at certain events and you film, you're going to get arrested. So, I mean, don't think that's anything crazy. Now, Forrest does say, right, the um, the love revolution taking place in Berlin inspired me to start a conversation about love, gender, and politics, right? And so when I say I don't know if this is a film, I mean, because the way it starts off, right, we have, oh, I, yeah, let me give you the characters, because <laughs> that's the thing, because it's like, based on reality, but then we've got these made-up characters, and you're just like, okay, what are we doing, but Samuel K. Forrest is Angus, we've got um, Marie Celine Yidrim as Angie, his girlfriend, there's a Beatrice Michelet as Beatrix, Andrina Manfredi as Lily, Enzo Di Ligaro as Zed, Ian Longram as Jamie, uh, Jurgen Van Ness as Marcus, and uh, Javier uh, Tabada as Pedro. So there are a lot of other people in the piece, you know, there's a lot of rave scenes and just other things going on, so yeah, it's a, it's a big cast, and way too many to mention, way too many people to mention, right, but yeah, it opens up, and we have Angus kind of walking around, looking at the city, and just all of this, and he, he you know, we've got him narrating, and it sounds, you know, you think, oh, is this a uh, a visual poem, right? Because that's how it starts. It, you kind of feel it's this, uh, you know, street poetry, right? Encapsulated in these visual images that were being shown. But then you kind of be like, eh, actually, it's it's not that, right? And we get this scene with him and his parents. But the way, like, it's there's a lot of really close-up shots, like, of the mouth moving and, like, you know what I mean? bit too close. A bit too close. And we're getting this whole thing because we walk into this conversation, Right? We're just thrown into it. 
And it's just like, ah, oh, and I never feel like loved or wanted. And you always doubt me and blah, 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 blah. And we get all of this, like completely feels out of context. because We have no clue. We don't even know who Angus is at this point, really. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it's this thing. And you just, and this is in Amsterdam, right? This bit's in Amsterdam. And we're like, okay, right? But because, you know, we don't know Angus, so it's hard to be like, oh, man, I feel for this dude. You know what I mean? You're just like, um, we're only getting this one side of this, right? Like, if we had been with the character, we'd have an understanding of the character, then I think you might go, you know what I mean? You might be a bit more... Ah, you know, with this whole incident, but you now you don't like, and the the narration isn't enough, right? That's not enough for us to know who the fuck Angus is, right? So we then get these time jumps, like ninety six hours, seventy two hours, twenty four hours, you know, this kind of thing, and we see him now in that Berlin. Right, and he's talking about oh, he's met Angie and they're in love and blah 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 blah. But then we get this whole oh, but I don't know if I trust her. Oh, what if she, what if she leaves me? And then we get like Angie's point of view and oh, I love him, but what if he leaves me? What if uh, we get all of this? But then you doubt everything that Angus is telling you from some of the stuff we're being shown, right? You're like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? You know what I mean? We're being shown, like, infidelity and just all this other random stuff. At first, you wonder, wait, is this Angie again? Because it's in the dark and it's hard to see. Now, I say it's hard to see. Maybe it's clear if your sight is good, right? But for me, I'm looking, I'm like, is that Angie? I don't know. Is that the same girl? Then we work out it's not, right? And so you're just like, talking about trust, but then being a sneaky fuck, Right, and that's the weird thing. There's a lot of stuff that gets talked about in the film, but the actions of the character, you really like, yo, you can't talk on this shit in this way when you're doing all this stuff, right? And as I said, look, we have no clue about the character. And everything is one way. And then all of a sudden, it, it shifts, right? It, like, well, when I say it shifts, I'm like, his dalliances shift, which is fine, right? It, it's not like, oh, I don't want to see that. That's dirty. No, it, 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 it's, it's odd because... It's not voiced, right? We get all of this narration and we see all of this stuff, but it's never, we don't get the, oh, all we get is I, I, I don't know who I am. 
but I don't know who I am isn't I don't my gender is in flux they're, they're completely two different things right there's two different statements right there so the film is it does feel like it's all over the place we have these musical beds under certain scenes which just don't really feel quite right you know what I mean and the camera work it is because there's certain scenes where the camera's just at these weird angles which doesn't really bring anything to the scene like I'm all about funky angles right it because you know it can bring a new perspective to what we're watching and that's cool that's flavor. I'm down with that. But it's like you're you if you're going for a weird angle, you want it to help shine a light on what is being perceived. And I didn't really feel that some of these did that, you know? It, it didn't really work in that context. And, you know, at the start, when I said, you, you know, you could feel that a lot of these actors are new. It was some of the some of the dialogue was a little wooden. Some of the interactions are wooden or they went on just too long. Right. You, you think ah, that could be edited down a little bit or you mean like they should have been given a bit more direction in certain scenes to bring this bit to life. Because, you know, there's things that didn't quite work. Like the whole graffiti bit. I mean, it wasn't great graffiti. Right? And, you know, it's not like every bit of graffiti on the walls and shit that you see is great. But when it's not great, you do wonder, like, yo, why are you doing this, man? <laughs> like, at least practice. Get better. You know what I mean? But it's just... We're seeing all of these different kind of weird elements, like the graffiti and like there's this talk about hacking and just these different things about like breaking the system. Then it, again, it that whole narrative shifts to uh, a feminine point of view. And you're just like, wait, where does that come from? And the, the point of views, they don't, there feels like there's nothing behind them. You know what I mean? It's just things being said. Because it's just like, yo, if I'm going to say something, right, I'm going to back that shit up. I'm going to give you my perspective on why I believe this thing. But we don't, I didn't feel we had that. And, you know, to be fair, you don't have to do that. But I think for me as a viewer, I needed something to anchor me into the piece. Because we're seeing all this random stuff, right? People finding themselves. But, you know, if you're talking about finding yourself, then it, it needs to be tied to something, Right? What's the end goal? What are you looking for? Because it's like the things you're saying you're looking for, some of those things you have, but you decide to toss away. 
right? There's these weird statements like, oh, everyone in Berlin is in a polyamorous relationship. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if you can say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know if you can say that. I met a few people in Berlin. They weren't poly. You feel me? Um, And it's like, yo, it's not to say there aren't, because there's people in poly, you know, situations everywhere. But it's like, if it's like, you know, if you're like, um, love CrossFit, you hang out with people that love CrossFit. So in your mind, yo, everyone does CrossFit. No, everyone doesn't. Right. So saying like making these broad statements, it gets a little crazy. But it's just like there seems an inherent dishonesty in the character. Right. In, in the way they're doing things and you know, the truths they're telling people, which, again, doesn't make him likable. So, you know, I, I didn't really feel I had anything tying me to the film, right? Holding my interest. Now, I will say, look, it, it kind of felt like a, a final year assignment in film school, you know, which isn't to say it's terrible, right, but it, it just, it felt like a first-time piece, you know what I mean, it, 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 it felt like there was a message that Samuel wanted to get across, but it was just, it couldn't really find that way to bring it all together, but, you know, I, I, I think people will find it interesting. There are a lot of flashing lights. So if you do have epilepsy, you know what I mean? I, I might not watch it, right? Or, or, you know, do the thing you need to do to protect yourself from having a seizure or something. You know what I mean? Uh, but, yeah, it's it's odd, Right? But oddies are fine. People like odd. You know, if you want something experimental, if you want a story that isn't necessarily linear, right, and is just a full explosion, then, yeah, hit beat It's probably going to be for you, right? And you can get it from all your favorite VODs on uh, Monday the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, boom, so yeah, if it, this, you know, you like foreign um, explorative films, then people, maybe Hit Beat is for you. Okay, people, and we'll bring it home with some supernatural love. It's time for Bite Me. Okay, people, so just checked out a vampire love story, a vampire romance, and... You know, I, I think when you say those words, you can definitely be very skeptical, right? Because when you think about the stories that are out there, 
right? You know, the whole Twilight nonsense. You know, you've got um, fucking True Blood. And, you know, there's other stuff, right? A discovery of witches. Um, is it Jane Yellow Jacket? I feel it's Jane Yellow Jacket series of books. And there's just so many, so many different things. And everything seems to go in the same way, right? So, yeah, I think you could be skeptical when looking at something like this. Now, Bite Me is from the duo of Meredith Edwards and Naomi McDougall-Jones. So, you know, they've worked before together. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is their new joint, right? I mean, um... Gosh, their first one, what was the first one? Um, believe I'm Beautiful, I think, I think, I think that, I believe that's the, uh, that was the name, um, Imagine I'm Beautiful, that's the name of their first joint, right, so they're back, Edwards is directing, and McDougal Jones, she writes the piece, okay, I mean, she wears a few hats, Definitely wears a few hats up in this, right? So, um, yeah, McDoodle Jones, she also produces it, along with Sarah Wharton. Um, it's executive produced by Joanne Zippel, uh, Susan Stutberg, Martine Melu, Jack Lechner, and... Um, Co-executive produced by Mary Glossband, Ellen Hag, Penny B. Jackson, Thomas Campbell Jackson, Ira Lechner, uh, and Michael Wintington, and associate produced by Carrie Woodworth, Jess Wise, uh, Jacqueline Parada. Catherine Kars, Hannah Cheeseman, Bronwyn Carson, and Sammy Bass. It is, uh, well, we have Iua Lee on cinematography. Eric Francis Olsen handles the music. Uh, it's edited by T.J. Misney and Chris Steele Nicholson. Judy Henderson handles the casting. Nicole Purcell, the production design. Um, Alberto Di Fonseca is art director. Veronica Moonhill, Moonhill um, costume design. Uh, we've got Jenny Chin, Michael Gorsi, Naomi Rads, Sarah Salvino, Chelsea Trano, uh, Charles Zambrono, and Lindsay Tropp, all handling um, makeup and special effects. You know, Jack Gnarly is on production. Um, and there's more people involved. Our cast... Well, you know, McDougal Jones, 
She also stars in the piece. She plays Sarah. Um, we have got uh, who else do we have? The uh, Naomi Gruzman plays Chrissy and Mahari Kaka plays Lily, Sarah's roommates. Uh, there's Christian Coulson who plays James. Um, he's an IRS agent. His boss is Tim, played by Harold Surratt. And um, he has a colleague called Faith, played by Annie Golden. Um, we've also got Makia Martin. She's a security guard for the IRS department. Um, then we've got uh, other people up in the spot. There is Staz, who's played by Antonio Crawley Carmwata. Um, Islay Fire, played by Meredith Adam Edwards. You know. Uh, we have got... Cindy, played by Bronwyn Carson. Um, Ambrosia, played by Cassandra Sidenfeld. Regan, played by Mia Romaro. Steve, Bob Jaff. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're our kind of our main group of people there's a lot of others you know involved and all of that kind of jazz but yes they're they're our main lot right oh and james's mum pam played by susan wands right and the gist of the film did we do the film i don't think we looked at the film all right the gist of the film people is this Okay, so when Sarah, a real-life vampire, gets audited, the last thing she expects is a date. But an unlikely spark with IRS agent James forces two misfits to confront whether they have the courage to commit the radical act of falling in love. Bum, 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 bum. So, yes, there you have it. And, yeah, like, I don't know. There's a there's a thing that sit on the, on the website, right? And, uh, oh, gosh, where, what did it say? Uh, Bite Me speaks volumes about the state of our society. As those who don't conform to societal norms struggle to be seen and accepted, for exactly who they are, without judgment or prejudice. Which, you know, I, I do think that is a thing, right? But, like, no one is it's not one of those things where people will instantly look at you and know, ah, hold on, that's a vampire, right? Now, it starts off, and Sarah's in a bar. 
and she's you know narrating and there's a woman kind of across from her and she's just like that's the look right because you have this woman look at her and she's like yeah that's the look when people kind of make an assumption about you and all of this and I'm just like all right that no that's a clear thing but it is it's more of because this is what happens right when if anyone has crazy hair crazy hair and the other thing on top she's got a face tattoo people will always look right because it's not the norm it's not something that you see you know most people they've got their normal blonde brown black you know, red, whatever color hairs, you know, so if someone suddenly got purple, green, blue, all mashed up, it's like, whoa, whoa, okay, like, sometimes people look, because it's just like, that looks fire, I wonder if I, that would look good on me, you know what I mean, sometimes it's that, right, it, it, it's looking, because, oh, damn, that person is, man, they're brave, I could never do that shit, I don't think that would look good on me, but they rock it. They rock it, right? Sometimes it's that's the look, right? But we make assumptions that, oh, it must be a bad look, right? But yeah, like, you know, she then says, but, you know, they look at me and make these assumptions, but they don't really know the truth. The truth being, I'm a vampire, right? And the film starts, so, you know, they're, uh, they've got themselves into hot water, right? Because this guy from another vampire set has gone on this reality TV show. The IRS has then looked into this group, right? The, uh, the Church of Twilight, they call themselves, which obviously, right, that, that comes with jokes and they address that in the film. But it is like, yo, you call yourself that, people will obviously jump to a conclusion. You know what I mean? But, yeah, so now they're being audited. And so we go on this journey, right, with, um, yeah, Merit Meredith? Chrissy. Yes. Um, <laughs> Sarah, Chrissy, and Lily. You know, it's this whole thing because they're trying to not get fucked, essentially. You know what I mean? Because, boy, when you hear about, like, the monies that they might have to pay, it's just like, yo, okay. So, obviously, they're looking at all of this, but behind all of this stuff, it is a story of people looking for a connection, right? Looking to feel like there's a place for them. You know, we, we have this thing between um, Sarah and James. But then there's also the, the other housemates, Chrissy and Lily, right? And I think one thing here that... I thought it was interesting, and you don't, I don't know, I've, I've not really seen this in other kind of vampire-type things, right? I mean, there was that film, which I can't think of the name, 
where they're making a film about a vampire, but then it turns out the guy in the starring role is actually a vampire, right? But in this one, you know, the, the Lily has a situation with a dude she's dating, right? And he's like, oh, if you're a vampire, how can you be Muslim, right? You know, because that I, I think that's the thing, right? Because I think a lot of, um, I think like devout Muslims, you're kind of vegetarian, right? So drinking blood from a human, you're like, I don't know if that works, right? I don't know if that fits in. But then she's like, yo, just because I'm this doesn't mean it changes this. And you're like, oh, you know what I mean? That's that's true, right? You you it's like you can like one thing. Like you can, you know, it's like if you're conservative, you could still be have thoughts on the other side. Then the flip, if you're Republican, if you're Labour. You can, again, still have thoughts on, you know, other things that relate to the other parties, right? It's all of that kind of thing. And I thought that was an interesting point, right? That I, I don't know, it's something that you don't, re as I said, you don't really find in these films, right? And so, yeah, we, we get these two people, you know, what's the orbiting? That's the word I was thinking orbiting each other, you know, trying to work out what's, what's the situation. And there is a, there is a charm in this, you know, it is goofy in places for sure. But yeah, there is this honest little charm about the films, you know, about these interactions and everything like that. Now, I will say, it does fall into the trap of, you know, people, they, they find this thing, and then there's something that kind of breaks them apart, right, before they come back. And, like, there is always this thing in stories about relationships where someone does something that doesn't make any sense, right? Because you kind of feel you could say, right? Like, regard if you have differing opinions, because I feel it was laid out at the start, right? Was laid out at the start. The, there is a thing that is said, and then there is a, like, I know, but I appreciate, boom, boom, boom. Right? So you're like, okay, okay, that's established. So then at the end, well, towards the end, like this thing happens and you're just like, homie, all you had to do is pick up the phone, right? Or turn up, right? Like when, yeah, there, there's these things that happen and you're like, why would you do this? Like it, it doesn't really make any sense. Why? You know? They, I mean, they say, he says this thing, and you're still like, yeah, but that doesn't address anything, really. And so, you just think, all right, you can make all of these declarations, but if you break trust in a certain way, 
means nothing, right? And so, yeah, we, we get this thing and we see it. We see it in so many films, so many films. And it just doesn't really make any sense. And it was a shame. Like you felt it was coming. You know what I mean? You did feel, okay, I feel this is going to happen, right? And it's just a shame because I think if they could have navigated that differently, it just elevates the film a bit more, right? And that bit does bog it down. But, but, I will say, yeah, they, they, like there is this thing about the film, right? This quirkiness that does kind of draw you in, you know? So if you dig a little indie action, you know what I mean, if, if that's your thing, people, right, then I feel bite me, I, I, you know what I mean, I think that will work for you, you know, like um, Laguna Avenue, right, uh, imagine that craziness <laughs> and oddness so there was a there was a funness a charm in that right so i think if you like that then i think this will get yeah, for real speak to you and if you liked their first film you know imagine i'm beautiful then yeah of course right you're, you're gonna be down you're gonna be down with bite me and you will be able to get it from all your favorite VODs on Tuesday. I think it's Tuesday. I believe it's Tuesday. I feel, yes. Yeah, Tuesday the 15th. Yeah, that is the 15th. 15th is Tuesday, I think. Whatever day that falls on people, that is when you can grab this film. Right, so yeah, from all your favorite spots, you know what I mean? Apple, Amazon, Google, right, all, all of them, you can find it there. So people, yeah, if you want to see a different type of vampire relationship, then Bite Me could be for you. <laughs> Okay, people, so hope you enjoyed that. But let's, before we bounce, get into some film news, you know, as we do. You feel me? So I, I guess a lot of people are looking forward to Ruben Fleischer's adaptation of Uncharted. But sounds like he's sticking with Naughty Dog to bring some more computer game magic to the big screen. And the next one is going to be Jack and Daxter. I have no clue what this game is, but supposedly it was very big on the PS2. So if you're a fan of that, hey, it could be coming to the screen, people. Um... Also, uh, we have got uh, Sony Pictures, right? So we know um, we're getting a U.S. adaptation of A Man Called Otto, starring Tom Hanks, right? And Sony won the bidding war for this uh, new Mark 
Foster joint. So, um, yeah, people, there is that. If you're waiting on it and looking forward and all of that. Um, also, right, um, yeah, Gigi Gaston has a new um, joint coming called Nine Bullets. All right, so it sounds like a, uh, I don't know, a, a northern, eastern, eastern promise type of film, right? It centers on a showgirl played by, uh, oh gosh, what's the, Lena, um, Lena Headley, Nina, Lena Headley, right? Um and this showgirl risks everything when she rescues a young boy after his family is murdered by her local crime boss ex-boyfriend, played by Sam Worthington. Now on the run, she makes a desperate attempt to get the boy safely to his uncle in South Dakota. So, uh, yes. If you like action, that could be for you. You know what I mean? Um... Yeah, so in 2020, right, we had the uh, pretty terrible bloodshot hit the big screen, right? And it was meant to be the start of the um, Valiant Comics film universe. Things went a bit weird, though, because... Um, Valiant then pulled all their films from Sony and took them to Paramount, <laughs> which is odd. Because one of their main characters is now at another studio, unless they work something out. Anyway, um, yeah, we, we, it looks like things are moving on that Valiant universe with um, Wes Bell to direct Harbringer, Harbring, Harbinger. Woo! <laughs> so this was about a group of teens with superpowers who go up against the um, evil, I think it's Hasgo, Hazo, something like that, corporation that tried to exploit their talents. Dum, dum, dum. So it is being written by Andrew Lanham. Um, yeah, and he's going to produce along with Neil Moritz, Toby Jaff, Joe Hartwick Jr. and Wes Bell. So, uh, yeah, we will see what happens with that. Uh, Sean Levy has a new film coming. It's called Backwards, and it's going to be a Netflix joint. Um, so, yeah, it's being produced by Dan Cohen, Joby Harold, and Tori Tunnel. It's actually based on a short story from Juliana Baggett and Phineas Scott. Right, and it follows a dying father who chooses a method to extend his life that involves reverse aging. His estranged daughter is appointed to be his caretaker, and along the way, an emotional catharsis is reached. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, so, 
Um, yeah, we're getting more adaptations, people. This time, it is Bernard Wabber's uh, children's book, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, over at Sony. And it sounds like our main character, who... I don't know. I'm assuming it's Lao Lao Crocodile, right? Is going to be voiced by Sean Mendes. So, yes. Um, now, it says the story follows a talking reptile who lives in New York City and brightens up the lives of his neighbors. I don't know if a crocodile has really brightened up anyone's life. <laughs> Also bringing their voices to this pick as Javier Bardem, Constance Wu, Winslow Fegley, Brett Gelman, and Scott McNary. So uh, there you go, people. There you go. Um, now, we've got a new children. You know, we had the tender bar, right? And Clooney has got his next film, The Boys in the Boat. So this is at MGM, Spyglass and Smoke House. Um, it's based on an, a book, so another adaptation from Daniel James Brown, which came out in 2013. And it tells the story of the University of Washington's rowing team, right? Because supposedly they stunned the world by winning gold at the Berlin Olympics in 1936. So Clooney is directing. Mark L. Smith is writing the script um, with Clooney and Grant Heslov uh, producing the film. Okay, so, um, yeah. Now, we, our cast, we got Joel Egerton, Jack Mulhern, Sam Strike, Luke Slattery, Thomas Elms, Tom Vary, Bruce Herblin Earl, Will Coburn, and Hadley Robinson. So, um, yeah, a lot of, with Callum Turner as well. So, uh, there you go. A little um, sports action, right? Um, now, <laughs> this is uh, from superhero to um, Barbie. <laughs> yes, Simu Lu. Looks like he's joining the Barbie movie, right? Which already is got Margaret Robbie and Ryan Gosling and America Ferreira attached. So it's being directed by um, Greta Gerberg, Gerwig even, and um, Noah Birnbeck, um is writing the script. Um, yeah, this is... I know, man. It's a, it's a weird one, right? <laughs> it is a strange situation to think like that. That's coming. We're getting a Barbie movie? What? <laughs> well, actually, there's another sports film coming, right? And this is going to be from Luca Gad Gadagino. 
right? Um, it's called Challengers. Does sound a little bit weird. It is uh, starring Zienda. Um, also, we got Josh O'Connor and Mike Beist, right? So this is the deal of this story, right? Um, it follows a well, um, you know, a former tennis pro turned instructor. That's going to be Zeander. After pushing her husband, played by Feist, to become a tennis legend, she forces him to participate in a lowly challenger event where one of his opponents is his ex-best friend and um, her former lover, played by O'Connor. Sounds goofy. Sounds goofy. That no, she forced to like forced to become a tennis star. You know, what I mean? it's just like, yo, really, really, this is what we're doing. Okay, hey, it could be great. Could be great. All right. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, Michael uh, Tabuskis has a um, a new sci-fi rom-com coming called Turn Me On, right? Written by Angela Busasa, right? And it's going to be starring Nick Robinson and Belle Pooley, right? Um, so it's meant to be set in a world where the inconvenience and human emotion has been eradicated by a government-imposed daily vitamin. So kind of Gattaca-esque. When a young couple skips their dose, they discover love, joy, and sex for the first time. And it's emotional baggage. Hmm. Okay, so there is a rat. Um, also, people, there is another sci-fi um, joint coming, right? Um, yeah, so, uh, this is from Rusty Cundiff, right, and it's starring Morgan Freeman and Josh Hutchison, it's called 57 Seconds, so, um, Macon Blair is writing the script, it is, again, an adaptation, this time of E.C. Tubbs' book, right? Um, yeah, so Hutchison plays a tech blogger who lands a career-defining interview with visionary guru Anton Burrell, played by Freeman. After faulting an attack, the blogger picks up a mysterious ring the guru dropped and discovers it allows his possessor to travel 57 seconds into the past. He uses the ring to take down the pharmaceutical company responsible for his sister's death. <sighs> dead is dead, motherfuckers. Dead is dead. All right. So we're also getting Harold and the Purple Crayon. Right, this one is uh, an adaptation of another children's book of the same name, right? Um, it follows four-year-old who 
with the power of his crayon, creates worlds around him. Hmm. It's being directed by Carlos Saldanha, right? Um, it's live action. David Guon and Michael Handelman wrote the script. And uh, we're going to be getting Zoe Deschanel, Zachary Levy, and Leo Ray Howie in the piece. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see what that's about, right? Um, okay. So, we are getting a new film from John Michael McDun. 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 Ugh, I know. Starring Abby Lee and Christopher Abbott, right? Um, and it's called Fear is the Riddler. Bum, 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 bum. So, uh, yes, it's based on a book by Kenneth Cook. Um, supposedly, it begins as a war photojournalist. Um, John Shaw arrives in Australia trying to recover from his experience during the Vietnam War. After meeting a young woman in a small town bar, he decides to detour to photograph cave paintings under the baking sun where people can die within hours. The elements are not the most hazardous thing in the bush. Shaw and his mysterious companions soon find themselves caught up in an unrelenting fight for survival. Yosh. Um, yo, so we know Zack Snyder has his um, Rebel Planet, Rebel Moon film coming at Netflix. Now, also, this I did not know. It's a two-parter, right? I, as far as I was aware, it's just a single film. But no, it's a single-parter. No, it's a two. Ugh, I cannot speak. It's a two-parter. And it's starring Sophia Botella, 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 right? Um, and it follows a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy threatened by the armies of a tyrannical regent named Belarusius. Desperate, the colonists dispatch a young woman with a mysterious past to seek out warriors from neighboring planets to help them make a stand. Dum, dum, dum. I mean, it does sound decent. So Schneider writes with Shay Hatton and Kurt Johnstad. Um... And they're producing along with Deborah Snyder and Wesley Collar. So it is starring Jenna Malone, Staz Near, E. Duff, E. Duffy, even Charlotte Maggie, Sky Yang. Also, we have Ray Fisher, Bay Duna, uh, Dijmon Husen, and Charlie Hooman. So, uh, yeah, good cast. Good cast. Talking about good casts, Russell Crowe has just joined the Craven the Hunter film 
at Sony, right? So this is part of their Spider-Man universe. Yes. So um, Aaron Taylor Johnson is um, starring in the film. Uh, I imagine as Craven, right? Um, but yeah, that's all we're kind of getting. It's all under wraps. All under wraps. It's being directed by J.C. Chandor, right? Um, with Art Markham, um, Matt Holloway, and Richard Wenk writing the script. All right, and let's end with this. So, um, Michael Mann has a new film coming, and it's about Ferrari. Yes, it's a, a racing film, right? And it's going to be starring Adam Driver as Enzo Ferrari, Penelope Cruz as Laura Ferrari, and Shaylee Woodley as Lena Lardi. So, yes. uh, so it says it's starting in the summer of 1957. Ex-race car driver Enzo Ferrari is in crisis as all the dramatic forces of his life are in collision. Bankrupt, bankrupt, bankrupt. He's going broke, right? Um, the company <laughs> he and his wife, Laura, built from nothing a decade earlier. Their tempestuous marriage struggles with the mourning for one son and the acknowledgement of another. He inspires his spring team of drivers, some like surrogate sons, as he boldly strategizes to roll the dice on one race, the infamous Mile Migila. As the red cars slam through towns and mountain passes towards unpredictable outcomes, the future of these characters' lives are being written. Da -da 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 -da. So, um, yeah, man's directing. Troy Kennedy Martin is writing the script, and it is another book adaptation based on the joint from Brooke Yates. So, uh, yeah, there you go, people. That is us for another week. So go enjoy those films, and we will see you next time. All right? Peace.